0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai.
2: So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either.
4: Yeah, you get it. Every time.
3: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
4: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rusty Quill
5: Presents I discovered the secret town of Ostium by playing GeoGuessr. It's an online game using Google Maps that drops you somewhere in the world. You navigate around, go up and down the street, look at cars and signs and buildings, and try to guess where you are. Then you're told how far your guess is from where you actually are, and you're awarded points on that distance. It's one of those games that's real simple, and the first time you play it, you think, it's nothing special. I'll play it once, and I'll get bored, and that'll be it. Then, two hours later, You're working on your 50th game, because this time, you're sure you're going to be able to guess, or geo-guess, within less than 50 miles. What's worse is you're probably at work, and you just wasted a lot of company time, and here comes your boss to check on those reports you were supposed to have ready for him an hour ago. Sorry, I just got carried away there a little bit. I need to stay on topic. It's just, this is sort of my first time doing this sort of audio journal type thing and I don't really know exactly what I want to say yet or how I want to say it I'm still processing everything that's happened that's what I need to focus on what I found Ostium so I was playing GeoGuessr for like the billionth time I know, I'm addicted. But as far as addictions go, this is a pretty harmless one. Well, I guess I should introduce myself too. My name's Jake Fisher. I'm a software engineer for a video game company in San Francisco, which will remain nameless. And because I don't want to live in a studio the size of a cardboard box, my home is in the great city of Oakland, which I truly love, though I am a Giants fan. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about me, for now. Ostium. I didn't discover that name until I found the hidden town. But that one and only time I saw it on GeoGuessr was completely entranced. So much so that I haven't played the game since, because I've been on my own quest. And I'm not talking about the kind you play on a screen. Just about every game of GeoGuessr, this particular one began with the road. It started as a normal piece of asphalt highway, two lanes with a divider strip down the middle. Not a car in sight from either direction. And since I usually use license plates as clues to guess where I am, I think this is going to be a hard one. I didn't know which way to go, so I chose north, according to the compass, and kept going for about four minutes I usually give myself half that time before i give up and decide to make a guess but something made me keep going i don't know what i just kept clicking the arrow button and the screen kept refreshing me a little further north then the road changed the color of the surface began to get lighter going from dark black to a lighter black and then through a series of shades of gray getting lighter and lighter as I continued clicking with the mouse, which I attributed to disuse. It started curving in a northeasterly direction, and I dutifully followed it. My interest peaked. The foliage on either side of the road had remained a lush and healthy green, but, like the road, was also changing, though not in such an obvious way. It was still that vibrant, alive green of growth and vitality, but it became more dense, crowding the edges of the image until it seemed to form a solid wall on either side, like the walls of the thick hedge maze in the Yerba Buena Gardens. A feeling of claustrophobia stole over me. I know, it sounds weird to say something like that, since I'm talking about staring at a screen in a crowded workplace, but trust me, being the one that actually says it? It really sounds weird. But it's also the absolute truth. Even though I was just messing around on my computer at work, I felt a compressing chill enveloping me, as if I was physically walking along that alien grey road, trapped and alone, forced to continue in the same direction because of the encroaching walls of greenery. I reminded myself I was safe and sound in my cubicle, ignoring my growing unfinished work, even though I felt completely spellbound by that foreign road. In the warm office environment of my cubicle, I shivered in fear. I stopped myself, looked away from the screen for a second, stared at the side of my cubicle where I'd pinned lots of pointless ephemera over the years. Drawings, statements, cartoons that meant nothing to someone just looking in en masse, but told me a complete collection of memories. That did it. My mind cleared, my fear abated, and I felt myself flush with embarrassment. It didn't last long. I turned back to the screen and I watched the road now transform from asphalt to gravel. Wherever this was, it had just run out of state funds. The direction kept changing too, curling towards the south and even towards the southwest at one point, and then back up to the north, then east, then northeast again. I'd now been playing this game of geo-guesser for over seven minutes. Not only that, I was still on this one road without having guessed the location and confirmed where I was yet. I was sorely tempted to just click and pick somewhere in the middle of the U.S. and find out exactly where I was. But another part of me, the one that was in charge, said no. Said to keep going. The end would be worth it. So I did. I kept clicking, even though the pad on my index finger was starting to hurt. And that's when I saw the sign. I'd clicked by it, whooshing with the speed of the next loading image before I realized I'd seen something. Everything had looked the same for so long, and then all of a sudden, there had been that snapshot of white against the green. The beauty of GeoGuessr is you can always go back. I turned around and I went back, then turned the image around again to face the sign I'd missed. When I saw it, I just stared at it, confused but also growing curious with wonder. It was your ordinary sign for a town, white with a black border, a solid rectangle that couldn't be mistaken for anything else. On it was beveled the name of this particular town, Ostium, O-S-T-I-U-M. No clue what that means, but it was definitely an interesting name. Below the name of the town was the elevation and the population. Elevation was 282 feet. Population was zero. Yeah, that's right. Population nobody. It said it right there on the sign. P-O-P period and then the number zero. Firstly, if a town really had no population, why would it even be listed on the sign? What would be the point of it? Secondly, what the hell? I knew I had to keep going, and I kept clicking. It didn't take me long. Less than half a minute and a couple handfuls of clicks, and I reached the edge of the town. I knew that because I could see the gravel road had ended. I knew that because the dense green bushes and the trees on each side of the road had suddenly ended. I knew that because I could see the ten-foot-high stone wall spreading out in opposite directions from the dead end of this road, which I assume surrounded the entire town like some medieval fortified village. I could see the road ended at a big rusty iron gate that had to be at least ten feet high. It was pretty plain, no fancy ironwork or ornate curlicues, just a regular iron gate that had seen its share of heavy weather and was now a ruddy, golden-brown rust color. It also looked firmly locked, and I couldn't really see anything on the other side. By this point, my fear seemed like a hazy memory that I wasn't even sure I'd felt, but my curiosity was making me shake with excitement. I could feel hot sweat on my brow, as well as a heat in my armpits and crotch. Maybe a little TMI there, but... And when she'd experienced this as close to how I experienced it. I need to find where this place is. I wanted to go there. I wanted to see this ostium, and I knew the moment had finally arrived. I turned to the world map on the right of the screen. I zoomed in on the U.S. and contemplated on where to place the digital pushpin. I settled on the middle of North Dakota. It seemed remote and unusual enough for this undiscovered town of population zero. The game did its thinking, and it calculated me to be 1,545 miles away, and the formerly unknown town of Ostium was, in fact, located in Northern California. It took me way too long to realize I was in Northern California. It was a clear, strong thought, like a shot of tequila. Now I had to find this town and see exactly where this was. I studied the map, trying to see if I could zoom in on it and get a definitive location. And that was when GeoGuessr did something it had never done before. The image grew blurry, as if there was some sort of interference. Then the screen cleared, and a message popped up. Google Maps GPS error. Location has been lost. The words were so definite and final. They said that Ostium was gone. Gone from Geogesser and gone from my screen. Fortunately, I've always had a good memory. A very good memory. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's photographic. So it was easy to bring that map up once more on the screen in my mind. To zoom in on where it showed the push pin pinpointing Ostium, I saw it in my head and calculated the distance. It would take two to three hours to get to that approximate area, and then I'd have to start looking for that road. Wait for it to change, then look for that sign, and finally reach that rusty iron gate. I stood up suddenly, feeling a cramping in my legs. I'd been locked in the same tense position for too long. I looked at the time. 11.22. Perfect. It wasn't too late. I thought for a whole long second about telling um, Robert in the next cubicle that I was leaving for him to cover for me if he could. But then I thought, man, to hell with it. That driving excitement was still in the center of my chest, blossoming and taking over. I had to get on the road. I had to find Ostium. I think Robert might have seen me walk past this cubicle, head straight for the doors, then out to the elevator. It was taking too long, so I hit the stairwell and sprinted down 12 flights of stairs. It was thrilling. I was too excited to feel tired from it. I made it to my Volkswagen Mini with my heart racing. I'd hit the McDonald's on the way out and load up on grease, carbs, and a heavy dose of caffeine. I had a long drive ahead of me. But when I eventually found Ostium, and I was fully confident I would, it would be well worth it. It didn't take me long to realize Ostium didn't want to be found, but I'm getting ahead of myself again. It took me four hours to get into the approximate zone of that part of Northern California that I remembered from the geoguesser map. It was a long drive, but I had my trusty iPhone to keep me musically entertained with the Beatles. The Beatles can get me through anything. Siri also guided me. I'd picked a town I'd given as the endpoint that was in the rough vicinity of where I thought Ostium was. I had, of course, tried asking Siri to guide me to Ostium first, but she had said, I'm sorry, Jake, I'm not sure where that is. A couple of food and drink stops along the way had recharged me. It was while I was waiting for my venti white mocha with an extra shot that I decided to look up what Ostium actually meant. In Ostium, is defined as a small opening or orifice. According to Merriam-Webster, the etymology of the word is from the Latin, meaning door or mouth of a river. Interesting. Next, I tried some websites. Ostium.com gave me nothing. Ostium.net ominously told me nothing to see. Move along. Ostium.co.uk Seemed to be about to load a site, but then just stayed a white screen. And on a hunch, playing the Latin angle, I tried Ostium.it for Italy, and was taken to an Italian legal firm named Manucci. So, one big zilcho. Fortunately, that's when I heard my name called out. Then it was back to the freeway and the long road north. I made my last stop at the town I'd told Siri to take me to, grabbing a bottle of water this time to give my overstimulated head and brain a break. I was kind of at a standstill. A roadblock, if you will. Oh, God, sorry, that was uncalled for. I simply wasn't sure where to head next. Whichever way I went could be the right direction or completely wrong one. I pulled up a map of the area on my phone and tried zooming out a bit to get a feel for the area and see if I could hone in on where I thought Ostia might be. But no such luck. It all felt foreign and alien to me. Much like it felt when I saw that rusty gate and that strange sign on the screen. Back at my cubicle. Which seemed like a million miles away at this point. And now for something completely different. I... I tossed my phone and water onto the passenger seat, then stepped in front of my car, took a deep breath, closed my eyes, and turned in a complete circle, fast. Got myself pretty dizzy. And then I did it much slower. I was waiting for, I don't know what, sound, some indicator, something. And I got it. It was a feeling, like someone had just put the slightest pressure on my temples with their fingertips. Just for a moment, an external force. I felt that shivering fear come back, but I was ignoring it for the time being. I opened my eyes to a house across the street. The house didn't mean anything, but I now had some extrasensory feeling that this was the direction I needed to go. I got back in my car, had another swig of the icy water, and pulled the map up again on my phone calculating the route from the freeway to the smaller roads that would take me in that specific direction. I left the town, getting on the on-ramp, wondering if whatever force I'd experienced could in fact be Ostium pulling me in some way towards it, perhaps calling to me. I know, it sounds crazy. Shiver was still there, cold and small, wrapped around my spine like a frozen coil of barbed wire, waiting to make itself known. I followed my chosen route, and before I knew it, there were no more cars on the road. I didn't know how long it had been since I'd seen the last vehicle, but it left me with a pretty eerie feeling. And that was when I noticed the road it was the same road from the GeoGuessr map. I know. From how I've described it before, it sounds like any road on the planet, but I had that feeling inside me letting me know, telling that this was the right road. I slowed down to 45, wanting to take it slow so I didn't miss anything. I watched the greenery on both sides grow denser and thicker, just like it had on the monitor. Then, I got that tunnel vision for, for real this time, seeing the wall of green to the left and the right of me, just that narrow two-lane road reaching ahead. And then I saw the sign. It stood there to the side of the road, harmless and unimportant, but meaning so much to me. I stopped the car, not bothering to pull over as there was no traffic coming in either direction. There also wasn't really any room to pull over. I got out and I walked to the sign, touching each of the letters of ostium, then the zero next to pop. It was real, all right. I took a photo with my phone, just to make sure, just in case this all turned out to be some weird hallucination. At the end of this strange trip, I would at least have that photo to confirm or deny what I'd seen. I checked the map again, this time confirming to memory where exactly I was. Then I got back in the car and started driving again. I got to Ostium quicker than I expected. The wall, the gates. Ostium stood before me. I got out of my car and I stared in wonder. It hit me then, like a strong gust of wind. Everything I'd done today, from playing the game, seeing this place on the screen, then making the long journey up here and actually finding it, it was incredible. It was thrilling. And also, a little bit scary. Because it was real. And the rust on the gate had been there for years. A lot of years. It seemed like a gate, this old and rusted, would be easy to open. The lock long broken. When I got to the gate, I reached out, touching a rusty bar, feeling it cold and biting on my skin. Then I pushed. It didn't budge. There was no movement at all, in fact. I looked to where the two sides of the gate met and saw a strange, small padlock in place there. It wasn't your usual padlock. This one was a unique style and shape. A type of lock I was pretty sure I'd never seen before. It also looked shiny and new. Brand new. Like it couldn't have been there just two hours ago. Which is impossible. Wasn't it? That shiver was coursing through me now, even though there wasn't a breath of wind. The small padlock locked each side of the gate in place, so that there would be very little movement. I tried lifting the end of the lock where the key would be inserted, and then pushed on one of the iron bars again, and this time there was a little give. I wasn't getting past this gate. Not today, at least. I'd have to come back with a heavy-duty bolt cutter, which I fully (laughs) intended to do. Perhaps there was a tiny voice inside of me saying no, that I'd already gone too far, that I needed to turn back and leave now. I ignored it, convinced myself it wasn't even really there. I'd come back tomorrow, break that lock, and take my first step into Ostium. For now, I had to make do with what I could see. I put my face between the bars of the gate. The first thing I noticed was a water tower in the far distance with Ostium printed on the side. I'm pretty sure I smirked at it. I could also see there was a ladder leading up to it from the ground, and stopping at what seemed to be a little door. Weird. I then focused on the town proper, staring down what was probably Main Street, framed by buildings leading to a small square and a large building that was likely a town hall with a clock high up on it. It listed the time as noon. Midnight. I wondered how long ago that clock had stopped working. I could see the facades of some of the stores along Main Street, but they were all clear and plain, telling me nothing of what goods or items they held within. However, each possessed a dominant doorway. I know that's a strange way of putting it, but that's how it felt to me in my head, as if the store were the body and the door was of strong domineering face, commanding. There was neither a person nor soul in sight anywhere. I thought about calling out, but I knew it would be futile. There wasn't anyone here. Not anymore, at least. The sign had said so, but those powerful doorways gave me a strange feeling, as if there were presences here, staring at me. Ghosts in those doorways of lives that Had once lived, of people that had once inhabited Ostium. Whether I would ever be meeting any of them, I would discover in time. I turned around, got back in my car, and drove home. And when I got settled... I recorded this experience. It's now three in the morning and I'm very tired. I need to sleep. When I wake in the morning, I'll prepare myself, bring those bolt cutters and return to that town, that gate. I'll get it open and find out just what this strange place called Ostium is all about and why it called to me. Because I know this to be true. As true as knowing real estate in San Francisco is ridiculous. It may be a long time before the Giants win a World Series again and <laughs> that my cooking sucks. Tomorrow, I will go through one of those doors. One of those faces of ostium. And I will find out what the hell is going on in that strange town. Now, I need to end this recording and try to stop myself shivering. <sighs> Until tomorrow then. My name is Jake Fisher. As I record this, I want to make it clear I am of sound mind and judgment, and that the events and happenings I'm about to tell you are as close to the truth as I believe them to be. It is now 1028 p.m. on October the 4th. The events that I am about to recount took place about seven hours ago. I'm not sure who I'm making these recordings for, maybe just myself? No. What's happened to me so far validates my reason for recording this story. And for whoever, or is it whomever, I never know. Whatever, whomever, listens to this. I want to reaffirm I'm recording this in my own words, step by step, as it happened to me, to the best of my recollection. I have no reason to make this shit up. And at this point, I'm too fucking terrified to make anything up. I'm sorry about the swearing. I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Okay, let's start at the beginning. This morning of our breakfast, I went to those sites again, and somehow, they're all different now? They're not the same as they were the day before. I'd almost believe I was just wrong or confused when I first looked them up, and I have no actual proof of this except for that first recording. Did someone change those sites? Update them? Because of me? Because of what I found? Because of Ostium? After spending a lot of time yesterday getting to Ostium, today was a much quicker and easier trip. I called in sick early this morning, and because today is Friday, they'll just think I had some nasty bug and will be suffering all weekend and be back fresh and healthy on Monday. I wonder if I'll be coming back to work on Monday. I stocked up on sugary goods and one massive cup of coffee that gave a Starbucks Venti a run for its money. Gassed up and got on the road. Oh, and I almost forgot a set of bolt cutters. Even though I knew exactly where I was going, it still took me almost four hours of heavy driving and numerous bio brakes. That's P-breaks for those not up on the jargon. Because of the coffee. Yeah. Just as the caffeine was starting to wear off and I started getting real antsy, the foliage closed in, and I knew I was getting close. And then I reached ostium again. The excitement rose in me like a growing wave, and it felt like I was going to catch it just right. I parked the car in a sort of shady spot, out of the way. It's a Volkswagen Mini, so we're not talking about a lot of car to begin with. Plus, it's dark forest green, blended in with the aforementioned foliage. I'm not really sure why I wanted to hide the car. I guess I was thinking if anyone else showed up, I didn't want to be spotted or something. But no one had paid this place a visit since the missionaries were making their first pilgrimages across the state that wasn't a state yet. I snagged the last donut and grabbed the bolt cutters, making my way over to the rusty gates, all ready to tackle that shiny new and unusual padlock, and stopped in my tracks. It felt like a long time since I'd been here, but it was less than 24 hours at this point. Everything looked the same, except the padlock was gone. I walked back to my car with an unsettling feeling erupting in my chest, put the bolt cutters inside, locked up, and came back. There was now nothing at all holding the two iron gates in place. Wondering how tough it would be to open these rusty relics, I gave a sturdy push where they touched. They swung open without a sound, like a pair of welcoming hands. I sucked in a breath and took my first step into Ostium. like any ordinary town, and unlike any town anywhere. I walked slowly down the main street I'd peeked at yesterday, looking at the different storefronts. I knew they were stores because most of them had signs hanging out front advertising their wares within. I hadn't been able to see them from behind the gate yesterday. Now when I say signs, I mean the simplest, most archaic form of the noun. It was a plank of wood with the product name engraved into the wood and painted black, though I could hardly tell it was black because it was so faded-looking and old. One said butcher, another tailor, another cobbler. One was in French and said patisserie. Then there was boulangerie. Now I'm not really up on my French, but I thought patisserie and boulangerie were kind of the same thing. I couldn't actually tell, because while each store had either one big rectangular window or a small square one on each side of the door, they were all opaque. Black like it was night inside, and I couldn't see a single thing. I tried peeking through, I even put my face right up to the glass, touching it with my nose. It was cold. Colder than the outside. Colder than it should have been. Cold like not following the laws of thermodynamics. Cold like something on the inside was keeping it that cold, somehow. There were more stores as I continued up the street, in more languages. Farmacia. My Spanish is better than my French, and I knew that that was a pharmacy. Though, just to make things a little more wacko, on the opposite side of the street was a store with the sign Chemist. Yeah, if you don't know, that's the British term for a pharmacy. Mm hmm. Wacko. At this point, there was a cross street with more stores to the left and to the right. There were more languages now. I recognized German and, I think, Dutch. There were some Scandinavian ones, Swedish, Danish, or Norwegian. I heard once they're all pretty similar. If you grow up in the Bay Area, you're exposed to a lot of diversity and a number of different languages from around the globe. So while I didn't know what they meant, I recognized Vietnamese, Chinese, and Japanese. And there were some Cyrillic ones and a bunch of others that I had no clue about. I decided to stick to the street I was on, what I thought of as Main Street, and continued heading up it. That was when I studied one of the doors for the first time. I don't know why I hadn't noticed earlier, but I did now. There was a number on the door. It said 24. So I looked at the other doors around me and saw the same thing, numbers on every one of them. I even started backtracking a bit on the doors I would missed. The strange thing about them was that they were all random. 36 here, 42 over there, 82, 65, 99, 4, 104. It made no sense. I tried to open one of the doors. I pulled on the handle. It turned down, but unsurprisingly, the door didn't open. This was number 17. I tried pushing, then pulling. I threw my shoulder into it, then gave it a sturdy kick. There was no movement. What. I knew Ostium wasn't going to make it easy for me. I tried a few others just to be sure it wasn't just this one door. They were all the same. locked up tight. So I moved on, crossing a few more streets. I'd moved into what I presumed was a residential area now, as the store signs were gone. Every house was a door in the center with two square windows on either side. The number on the door, that was it. They all looked identical. Some were joined together, others with a small gap. I could probably squeeze myself in between that gap, but I didn't really want to try it. I did look up at one point and discovered I was drawing closer to the water tower with its rickety-looking ladder reaching down to the ground. I could see a small door on its underside, though I couldn't read the number. Interesting. Everything here seemed to have a door. Given the name of this place, it made sense. A short while later, the houses became more widely separated and grassland opened up before me, still with the street running through it. It led to that town hall-looking building I mentioned from yesterday. There was the clock tower stretching out of it, like your cliché phallic object reaching to the heavens, pointing at noon. Or midnight. The witching hour. But it was a bright, sunshiny day. I headed up that street, and when I reached the door, I realized why it had its own street and was separated from everything else. On the door was the number one. So I reached out, feeling myself catching that rising surfer's wave fully now. Turned the handle and pushed. This time, the door opened. The room was bare bones, four walls, three doors in addition to the one I'd just opened. The others were all closed, but I didn't expect much else from a long, abandoned town like this. As I'd been walking down the street, part of my mind had been thinking how long this place had been abandoned. Except for the shiny new padlock that had mysteriously disappeared, everything looked downright ancient and ostium. And then there was the thing standing in the center of the room. It was a rectangular wooden table and on its surface was a detailed map of the town carved into the wood. I walked up to it and actually gasped at the detail. It was a work of art with all the tiny streets, all the individual stores and homes, the grasslands and contours of the town. It was astonishing. The water tower was a little wooden piece sticking out of the table like a thick splinter but unlike the rest of the room, the carving was spotless and clean, as if it had been carved and freshly varnished just yesterday. The map carving was also a key. There were numbers on every single building. I cast my eyes up the street I'd come and saw the familiar numbers i had passed. I found number one where I was currently standing. I also learned the water tower was 69. (laughs) Nice. I poured over the whole table taking in the reaches of the town. There were a lot of buildings here, a lot of numbers. Over a hundred, as I already knew. But there were also open patches of ground with a number in the center. There was no building, so either it was a door standing on its own, or a hole in the ground with the number carved into the earth, or a hidden trap door, or something. Whatever it was, I was getting excited just imagining what it could be like. What was the deal with this place? I started searching on the map and it took me a little while and then I found number two. I'd passed it on my sojourn over here. I looked at the three closed doors in the room, one on each wall, just asking to be opened. I had two choices, two big choices. I made my decision and headed out the door, closing it behind me. As much as my curiosity was begging me to find out what was behind those three mystery doors, I felt the bigger question to answer was whether every door in this place led to the same thing, or was it something different? Was it the inside of a store or house? Was it a door that just didn't open? Was it a door to heaven? Or to hell? To my imagination? I had to know. More than what was behind those three doors in the room with the wooden map. So all my money and hope was on number two. Okay, sorry, that sounded wrong. Alright, I've got it. Monty, let's have a look at what's behind door number two? How's that? Yeah, it's better. I retraced my steps, heading back down the street that appeared to have no name according to ye old wooden map. Just like all the streets in this town. And then I was staring at a wooden door that looked like every other wooden door in town, except three quarters of the way up was a carving of number two, paint flaking black like the signs. I felt myself smirk as I reached out and tried knocking. No one answered. No surprise there. Figured it was worth a shot. So I turned the handle and pushed. The door opened. Unlike opening the first door, where I could see inside, with the walls and the doors and the table in the center, here I was greeted by blackness. A dense blackness that had no give, no depth. It was like when I peeked in one of the windows. A night to end all nights, as they say. Shit. I was pretty terrified at this point, and it still gives me goosebumps now, thinking about it. I had another choice, then. To either go through and risk facing whatever was on the other side, or close the door and go back to my job and normal life, and say goodbye to everything ostium. My life didn't exactly flash before my eyes, but I thought about a lot of things in quick succession. Past events in my life, memories, highs and lows, and the immense risk I was currently facing. I was at the edge of the precipice, and I couldn't see if there was a sturdy, stable bridge to cross, or a rickety wooden one, or just a drop into darkness. I didn't know if I stepped off the edge I wouldn't just fall. Forever. Not a single soul on the planet knew I was here. I could disappear and that would be it. No one would ever know. And that was when I said fuck it. Step through. First thing I knew for sure was that I wasn't in an Ostium anymore. I was surrounded by big trees and lots of hanging branches. It was colder than where I'd been, a lot colder. But I could tell they were different trees to what I had seen driving to Ostium. They were actually unlike any kind of tree I'd seen before. So I was definitely in a different place. I took two steps forward and the ground felt mulchy and squishy beneath my feet. I think they call it loam that spongy layer of dirt and leaves and twigs and whatever else. I turned around and looked back at the doorway. The way back wasn't black, but showed the street in ostium where I'd just stepped through. Interesting. The door was hanging open into this place, wherever this was. But there was no door frame, no wall, that the door was attached to. It was just a door shape with the open door standing there on the ground on its own, attached to nothing. It was really freaky. I stepped around it, and from behind I was able to look through the open doorway, not seeing anything of Ostium. I was pretty relieved I hadn't been killed in some horrific way passing through the doorway, but I was still terrified. Where the hell was I? I walked back to the doorway, wanting to be able to see Ostium and be comforted, knowing it was still there. Then I looked around me and I saw a hundred yards ahead a wooden palisade forming the wall of a settlement. It looked like something out of a history book. That was when I started to wonder if I wasn't just in a different place, but a different time. I sucked in a brave breath and headed toward the wooden wall, made of solid tree logs all lined and lashed together. I saw there was an opening a little further along. I looked back at the open door, still in plain view. I could still see the opposite side of the street in Ostium with another door and another number, though I couldn't make it out from where I was standing. It was comforting. a Necessary comfort. I headed over to that opening in the wall, wanting to see what was on the other side of it. Was it another place like Ostium? There was a big tree standing just outside the wall, looked like some kind of oak, real thick, and probably hundreds and hundreds of years old. Someone had carved something in it. Three letters. C-R-O. Crow. Something lit up my mind. A minute spark way back in there. This meant something to me, but at that moment I had no idea what. I needed to learn more to find out. I stepped into the opening and surveyed a small town from centuries ago. It looked early American, like before the United States was an established country, in the colony days, maybe even before that. Simple wooden houses of varying sizes, a fire pit between two of the houses with just ashes. Nothing had burned there in some time. I took a few more steps into the hamlet, doing a full 180 and looking from the wall on my right to the wall on my left. I saw another carving, this time on one of the logs forming the sturdy wall. I walked up to it and read the single word. It wasn't English. I ran my fingers along the letters. Suddenly, I knew exactly where I was. For the first time in my life, I slapped my hand over my mouth, stifling a scream. The eight letters were carved clearly. C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N. Croatoan. I was on an island in North Carolina. The year was sometime between 1587 and 1590, and I was looking at the settlement of the abandoned lost colony of Roanoke. That was when my heart leapt into my throat and I turned and ran as fast as I could. I was half convinced the door was going to be gone and I was just going to find an empty grove of trees and be trapped in the 16th century. But it was there and my heart fell back down into my chest. I ran through, grabbing the handle on my way in and slamming the door behind me. On the other side, I felt the familiar and now very comforting buildings of Ostium surrounding me, the rough-shod road. I started giggling, which turned into a raucous laughter that racked my body, tortured my lungs and throat, and left me crying and dizzy. My dying echoes of laughter were pretty creepy. I fell to the ground trying to get a hold of myself. I know now it was shock and fear. It was either laugh or cry. After I'd caught my breath and regained what I could of any sanity, I headed back to the building with door number one. I pulled on the handle, wondering for a half second if it was a one-use deal, and now it was sealed forever from me. But it turned, and the door pushed inward. I stared at the table with the map carving, and then at the three mysterious doors. The yearning curiosity wasn't there anymore. I was exhausted, both physically and mentally drained. The town and its many doors and secrets held within been here for years, probably decades, possibly centuries. A millennium? That was a thought for another day. But they would keep another night and tomorrow I would return. Right now I needed to get away from Ostium for a bit. I needed to recharge and recover. Harrowing. That was the word for today. The whole experience from opening the gate to now had been harrowing. I closed the door and walked back down the street. The gate was still ajar as I'd left it. I closed it behind me, saw my car was undisturbed. I got in and headed home, not listening to any music, not stopping a single time until I made it to my assigned parking spot and then went in through my front door. I thought a lot on my drive home. I'd never be able to look at an ordinary door the same way again. I was pretty sure of that. I collapsed on the couch and then crashed and slept for three hours. I woke up groggy, made some coffee and dinner. It woke me up and satisfied my raging hunger. I felt like I had done something strenuous today, like a heavy gym workout or played basketball for hours or run a marathon. But I was doing better. That's when I sat down and recorded all this. What does it all mean? What is Ostium? Why did I find it? Why did I find it? Did I find it? Was I chosen to find it? What's special about it? What do the numbers mean? Is there a significance to each one? To each door? That first door is obviously some kind of home base, and I have a feeling I might know what's behind one or more of those doors inside the room. My spidey sense is telling me living quarters. For me? I don't know. Was I really in Roanoke? Was it really 1587? Thinking back on it now, it seems like a very far away thing. A hazy memory. I'm sure if I were never to return to Ostium, doubt would begin to sow itself within me, and I'd eventually think it was all some strange dream. I know. It could have been something else, too. A recreated settlement to show tourists the way things were. Sure, But see, the thing is, I know something about Roanoke. I did a paper on it in a college U.S. history class. I was fascinated by it. I might even say obsessed. The paper ended up being over ten pages long, and for a low-division course, it's pretty darn good. I laid everything out. How it was all started by Sir Walter Raleigh. How the first settlement began. John White, who was a friend of Raleigh's, helped set up the colony of 115 souls. Including White's granddaughter, Virginia Dare, who was the first English child born in North America. How White had had to travel back to England in 1587, leaving the 115 colonists on Roanoke Island. He had wanted to come back sooner with supplies, but bad weather had prevented him from going. Then the Spanish Armada attacked England, and he wasn't able to get a ship. In 1588, he had hired two vessels to bring supplies, but they had been captured the valuable cargo seized. In 1590, he was able to hitch a ride on a privateering expedition that agreed to drop him off at Roanoke on the way. He arrived on August 18, what would have been his granddaughter's third birthday. When he got to the settlement, he found not a single person there. 90 men, 17 women, and 11 children vanished without a trace. The only clues were the carving of crow in a tree outside the settlement and the word Croatoan on a fence post inside the settlement. I know they've recreated fortifications and reproductions of what the settlement of the Lost Colony was like, but this hadn't felt like that at all. This had looked too real. The details in the buildings and fire pit and other things I'd seen around the settlement. Just the smell of the place. It smelled authentic. No. The more I think on it, the more unsettled yet certain I am. I was in Roanoke in 1587. Somehow. I feel it to be true. So then I have to ask myself, if Ostium sent me there, through this door, why? What was I supposed to get out of it? Was I supposed to stay there longer, look for clues? Possible solution to what happened to the colonists? There's never been any conclusive evidence. Since Ostium suffered a similar fate to Roanoke, At least, that is what it appears to be. Am I to try to solve this mystery, and therefore come a step closer to solving the bigger mystery of Ostium? I simply don't know at this point. It's all too much. And a lot of it is too fantastic to accept. But I know what happened to me today. I know it was real. And what will I find behind door number three? Another mystery? Another empty town? What I do know is this. Tomorrow, I'm going back to Ostium again. I can't stop now. I won't stop now. I'm going to see what's behind those doors in the clock tower. And then I'm going to see what's waiting for me behind door number three. I plan my third trip to Ostium a little better than the previous two. I dig out my cooler from a pile of dust and forgotten things in my tiny attic space. It takes some scouring and cleaning out, and then I fill it with sandwiches, snack bars, protein bars, candy bars, whatever I can find, really, and lots of water. Yesterday, with my heart running faster than my brain and lungs for pretty much the whole day, with everything that happened... I knew at the time, if I'd had a sugary and or salty pick-me-up, it would have done wonders for my constitution and confidence. So, anyways. Other than a venti coffee, I avoid stopping at any coffee serving or fast food locales. I also spend most of the trip thinking about the Facebook messages and email I read last night while enjoying a nightcap of some port I forgot I had. It really hit the spot. The Facebook IMs were Just a couple of co-workers checking in on me, making sure I was okay and whatever plague I was suffering from wasn't too bad, and if I needed anything. The girl and guy both knew I lived alone and didn't have any family support to speak of and not that many friends. Okay, time for some more personal info. an orphan. My parents both died in the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. They were in their car on the Bay Bridge when the quake struck, heading out of the city. If you know the bridge at all, you know that traffic leaving the city drives on the underside level, while traffic coming into the city drives on the top level. Yeah, the upper level collapsed into the bottom level. It was pretty horrific. But the one positive of the whole thing was that they were killed instantly. I was staying with my grandfather at the point and from then on, that's who I lived with until he died while I was going to UC Berkeley. I know there's other family out there, spread around the country, but there aren't any aunts or uncles, and my parents never had any interest in reconnecting with anyone. So now it's just me. I got some inheritance from my grandfather, and my dad did have a life insurance policy, so that helped. Okay. That's enough about me. Going back to those coworkers messaging me. I didn't think we were that close, but it was nice that someone was concerned. And the email was from a friend. We're big on the San Francisco Giants and have gone to a number of games together. He was just checking to see if I wanted to pick the next game for us to go to together. I felt a distance with these people that wasn't there before. It's starting to feel kind of like my job and Going to the Giants games with Brandon is part of a past life, and my current life isn't really linked with that in any way. I feel there's a deep chasm dividing me between that time before Ostium and the time after Ostium. I'm not going to lie. kind of scared. I park in my usual spot, trying to hide the vehicle under the tree. As I grab my cooler and head for the gate, I wonder what I'll do if that padlock is both mysteriously and miraculously returned. I think I've still got those bolt cutters in the trunk. I also have the crowbar with the spare that will work in a pinch, but then I reach the gate and find it sands padlock, just like yesterday. Walking through the empty town, there's an overwhelming sense of deja vu. I feel an intangible connection to this place, connection that seems to be growing by the minutes and hours that I spend within its walls. There's definitely something going on here. Something powerful. And I think it's beyond my control. It's a lot bigger and stronger than me. I know that much. Part of me is definitely scared. Terrified, in fact. But another part of me is excited and thrilled in a way I've never been in my life. It's a big wave of serotonin that I'm going to keep riding. I reach the door with the first number on it. I wonder for a split second if it will open again, or everything could be over, just like that. It opens. I go in and close the door behind me. It's exactly as I left it. Four bare walls with three doors. The wooden map table is in the center of the room, untouched and clear of dust, like someone came in a few hours ago, dusted it down and polished it. It's gleaming in the sunlight streaming through the two windows either side of the doorway. It's beautiful then I see that one of the doors isn't fully closed. It's in that in-between state where it's not fully closed and not exactly ajar. It's on the edge of becoming one or the other. Schrodinger's door. I cast my mind back to yesterday, searching through the pictures of my memory. I'm almost 100% sure both doors were solidly closed. Yeah, 99.9%. If one of the doors had been like this yesterday, I would have seen it. It would have grabbed my attention like flies on, well, you know what. It would have stopped me from checking out what was behind door number two. So what does that mean? Well, my dear Watson, whatever solution presents itself, no matter how preposterous or unbelievable, if it's the only one that remains, then that's it. Or something to that effect. Someone has been here and gone through that door. That someone might be here now that momentarily paralyzes me and gets my heart racing faster than before i have two options two doors to choose from but there's only one really i suck in a breath stride across the room and rip open the door nothing attacks nothing jumps out at me nothing even moves i wait a few more seconds to see if there's some delayed reaction but no It's a small room where everything is pretty obvious. There's a twin bed along one wall, a bed frame, a bare mattress, and on top of the bed is a dark blue sleeping bag and a pillow. The pillowcase has a daffodil design on it. The sleeping bag is opened up, like someone was sleeping in it recently. There's a door on one wall. Like quickly ripping off a band-aid, I jog over and throw it open. It's a bathroom. There's a sink and a mirror, a toilet, a small shower stall with a sliding glass door. The door is open, but I still stick my head in the cubicle to be sure. There's a bottle of Head and Shoulders on the floor of the shower stall. It's the two-in-one with conditioner for smooth and silky hair. The mirror on the wall is just a normal mirror. No medicine cabinet behind. I look in it, wondering if there's some hidden recess I'm missing where something's going to jump out at me. I turn on the cold water faucet. Water comes streaming out. Turn on the hot water faucet. I can tell the water is hot, really hot. Steam starts billowing up. On top of the simple toilet is a roll of toilet paper. It's almost a full roll. On a hunch, I look behind the toilet on the ground and see a package with five extra rolls. Well, that's that, I think. Can't do anything about it right now. I head back into the main room, closing the door to how it was before. Not quite a jar. Not quite closed. Then I head over to the other mystery door and pull it open. It's a kitchen. There's a simple one-burner stove. There are cabinets around it and above it. There's a sink and a faucet. I don't bother checking the water in here. I'm pretty certain it works. I start looking through the cabinets. Canned goods. Lots of canned goods. Lots of different types. Meats, vegetables, fruits, soups. I don't see my ideal meal here, but it's the sort of thing I'd expect to find in an air raid shelter or a nuclear bunker. Or somewhere in the middle of nowhere. This is survival food. In the cabinet next to the stove, I find a bottle of propane attached with a hose. In another cabinet, I find pots and lids. Another has paper plates and cups and sporks. (laughs) Lots of sporks. Whoever stock this kitchen likes to simplify Economize. In the final cabinet on the other side of the sink, I find plastic gallon bottles of water. All the labels have been removed. These bottles have been reused. There's also an industrial sized bottle of dish soap with added grease remover and a brush. I touch the bristles, they're damp. I step back into the main room, closing the door behind me. I walk over to the wooden map that never seems to age and try to think. Someone has been here. Someone was here recently. They're very likely doing what I'm doing, right? That's the only thing that makes sense. Going through doors. Are they traveling to other places, other times, like I am? Gotta be. They're likely staying here, maybe even living here. There were no signs of a vehicle outside. Not that I thoroughly checked, but... I would have noticed something obvious, probably, hopefully. I make a mental note to check when I get back to my car later, however much later that might be. Okay, then, that's that. I put my cooler on the counter in the kitchen, grab a couple snack bars that disappear in one of the deep pockets of my jacket, grab one of the PB&J sandwiches and a big bottle of water. As I start eating the sandwich, I check the map for where door number three is. It's down a street on the far side from here, on the other side of the entrance. I map my route looking at the streets, then head out. By the time I make it to the door with the number three on it, the sandwich is gone, as is half of the water. The snack bars are staying in a pocket until I get hungry again. I put the half full, or is that half empty, bottle of water. In another deep pocket. I rub my hands on my jeans and then turn the handle on the door. It opens like any unlocked door. I close my eyes and step through.
2: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns.
5: I keep my eyes closed on the other side, wanting to take things in with my other senses. It doesn't take me long to realize I'm rocking side to side. I open my eyes and look down. My feet are solidly planted on the ground. A wooden ground. Okay, that's different. I'm on a boat. Cue the song. I can see interlocking planking around my feet, but it's... Kind of slipshod, not exactly high craftsmanship. There's no fancy varnish or finish to it, as I would expect on a luxury yacht. Or even just an ordinary, modern, everyday yacht. You know, the one we all have for fun. So, what does that tell me? This is something older. I'm on a boat that's... old. I take a few steps on the deck and automatically look back at the open doorway to Ostium. Even though this is only time number two, I'm pretty certain now that special portal across time and space will remain open and unhindered. Okay, maybe my previous experience is riding on the creative minds of some science fiction writers, but I'm still fairly confident. It's then that I start to notice above the doorway the thin curve of wood before it becomes the roof. Or is that the bottom of the upper deck? I don't know. Anyway, what's interesting is that across that piece of wood over the portal is a wooden placard with a word burned into it in clear, defined capital letters. Yep, you guessed it. Ostium. I guess that way I won't have any problems finding my way back. Not that I can't look through and see a street and a couple of opposing doorways bearing numbers that clearly tell me it can only be one place that I might be starting to call home and the fact that I have absolutely no reason to close the door. I check it, the door, moving it back and forth a little to see how loose it is. With the swaying movement of the boat, it's conceivable the door could swing shut. That's when I discover a piece of string attached to the handle. On the cabin wall the door leans against when fully open is a jutting piece of wood. I tie the string to it, securing the door. This is a boat, after all, where things like doors need to be secured during high seas. This isn't my first time on a big boat. Living in the Bay Area, you want to avoid having to drive from place to place as much as possible, because you can never really predict what traffic is going to be like, which means public transit. There are three options. The BART train system, Muni buses, or taking the ferry. Whenever I have the chance, I elect to take the ferry You get some great views, and while you might not get to where you're going as fast as BART, it's a very low-key and laid-back way to commute. And now I was on a boat again. A boat from another time. An old boat. Maybe ancient. For all I knew, I could stick my head up out of the hold. I think that's what it's called. And be looking at ancient Rome or something. Then again, I could be in some throwback vessel in 2016. There was only one way to find out and it would go a long way to answering a number of questions. I headed from room to room, looking for some stairs leading up. I passed through what looked like a dining room with a big empty table, though I wasn't really taking in the details right now, I just wanted to get above decks. I should have paid more attention to what I was walking past, but I'll get to that in due course. I found the stairs and put my foot on the first one, and then stopped. I listened. Hard. I didn't expect there to be anyone on this boat, because there hadn't been anyone behind door number two, so it was merely logical that the world behind door number three would be just as lonely. But I wasn't certain. There were just ordinary boat sounds, insofar as what I imagined ordinary boat sounds to sound like. A constant creaking and groaning as the boat seesawed in the water, and the sound of my own breathing. That was it. Wait. What was that? It sounded like a long, run-out moan, echoey and distant. Was that something on the boat? Something in the water? Or just an ordinary sound of the sea I didn't know about? I sucked in a breath and started going up the stairs. There weren't that many, less than fifteen. The hatch was open at the top, and I could see out to blue sky and bright sunshine. I made it to the top, stepped out on deck, and released my pent-up breath in a gasp. The sun was warm, hot on my skin. The sky was clear as far as the eye could see. I was surrounded by ocean, a deep, dark, blue ocean, like the Pacific. That meant it was deep, real deep. I made a slow circle, searching the horizon all around me, but couldn't see anything on the water. No other vessels, no sign whatsoever of land. It was all alone out here. I walked around deck, going first to the front of the boat, the bow, then to the rear, the stern. I'd come out from below somewhere in the middle of the vessels, amidships, I think they call it, whoever they are. It was your ordinary big old ocean going vessel from the 19th century lots of wood and ropes and shackles, nothing electronic or automated. I thought of the Pequod from Moby Dick Yeah, it was like one of those old whaling vessels though not as big That was when I started to hear the small sound incredibly distant crackling like someone microwaving popcorn in the house across the street on a quiet day or the sound of rice grains being shaken in a can only really far away But as I kept listening I heard it getting a little louder Whatever it was was coming closer. I scanned the horizon once more and didn't see it at first. There was nothing out there to see. But I kept watching, scrutinizing, trying to focus my sight for anything. I caught something from the edge of my vision, like when you stare at a painting at a museum, then you walk on to the next one, but you catch a different image of the first painting out of the corner of your eye. I was catching that image now, and it was very unsettling. Once I knew to look for it, it was easy to spot. A black band running along the entire horizon. I made a complete circle again and saw it was everywhere. 360 degrees. It hadn't been there before when I first looked around. As I watched it, I saw it get bigger and closer. That sound getting just a little louder. It was bordering on insignificant at the moment. The message it was sending was ominous. I had no clue what it was, but I knew it couldn't be good, with the creepy sounds and the absorbing black. No way, Jose. Was this something unique to this place? This specific door I went through? Was it something about Ostium? When you went through a door, whatever was on the other side, did this start to happen? I hadn't heard or seen anything in Roanoke, but then... There were trees and palisades all around me. So I couldn't have seen anything. And I hadn't really been listening for anything. I hadn't even been here that long. These thoughts fluttered through my mind like a deck of cards, one thought following the other. Is this a ticking clock? Was this approaching blackness, signaling the end of this place I was in? And the blackness reached this ship. Would it swallow it up like an enormous black hole? And that would be the end of it? and everything? The end of... me? It seemed as reasonable an idea as any. Meaning I only had so much time to spend on this ship. Only so much time to do what I needed to do. Which was... what exactly? No clue. Maybe I needed to find something. That sounded like the start of a potentially good idea. As I took another glance at the growing blackness which had started to rise up like a growing, all-encircling tidal wave of night, the sound was clearly audible. I ducked down below, sliding down the stairs to get into the bowels of the ship as quick as possible. I figured inside it was where I would find whatever I needed to find. Plus, I also needed to be close to that doorway back to Ostium. I could peep through the portholes along either side of the boat, port and starboard, to see how much time I had left. My heart was racing, my breath coming fast, but I had a sense of direction for once and started looking. I took the stairs quickly, familiar with them now. The machine gun fire of footsteps and I was back below decks once more. I immediately heard that haunting moan again. It was still unfamiliar, but this time I was certain it was coming from somewhere inside the boat. Its echoing nature made it seem like it was coming from down a long, concrete hallway. But there was nothing like that on this ship of sound-deadening wood. I was already a number of steps beyond unsettled. That sound added a mile. I could feel myself shaking. To take my mind off the sound, which came again now, just as loud and clear, I started looking around. I was in the room that had that big dining table. There were wooden chairs around it, about 15 of them. The table was solid, thick wood, attached to the floor so it wouldn't move during turbulent seas. The chairs weren't affixed. There were place settings for 15 people, utensils for multiple courses, a large plate for the main course, a smaller place for the first course, a bread plate, one wine glass, a precisely folded napkin. In the center of the table was a raised wooden platform for the showcase, the main dish. That prize-winning turkey, or succulent ham, or impressive side of beef, or whatever went for good food back in this time. Carved into the surface of the platform, ornately done, were two words. This was obviously the name of the ship. It was on board the Mary Celeste. Those words may mean nothing to you, or they may mean something. They may mean a lot. Time for a brief history lesson. On November seventh, 1872, the Mary Celeste left New York Harbor bound for Genoa via Gibraltar. But she never made it to her destination. Meanwhile, in nearby Hoboken, New Jersey, the shipping vessel Del Gratia left port on November fifteenth, also bound for Genoa via Gibraltar. About 1 p.m. on Wednesday, December 4th, the Del Gratio was midway between the Azores and the coast of Portugal. The coordinates, 38 degrees, 20 minutes north, 17 degrees, 15 minutes west. This was land time, mind you. Thursday, December 5th, sea time. Apparently sea time in the 19th century was 12 hours ahead of land time, for some reason, with the new day starting at noon. I know, weird. Anyways, Captain Morehouse of the Del Gratia came on deck, the helmsman reported a vessel about six miles away, moving erratically. As they got closer, they noticed a strange set to her sails, not logical for the current wind conditions. The vessel was lazily moving toward the Del Gratia. Captain Morehouse began to suspect something was wrong. When they were in sight of the deck of the vessel, he could see no one about, and there was no reply to signals that were sent. He sent two men and a boat to investigate. They discovered the name of the vessel to be the Mary Celeste. They discovered no one aboard, with some of the sails in poor condition missing altogether. Rigging damaged, ropes hanging loosely over the side, the ship's single lifeboat was missing. One supposed fact about the Mary Celeste is that there was a full meal left steaming and untouched on the dining table. But after doing some research, I discovered it to be more of an urban legend to add more mystery and intrigue to the story. Drama. And now here I was, apparently on the very intriguing and mysterious vessel known as the Mary Celeste. There was no meal laid out, but from what I could see, there were plenty of stores, and things seemed mostly untouched. It felt like the sort of setting where people would be coming through a door any minute to have a snack, or sit down and read or start making preparations for dinner. The moan came again, louder now. It felt like it was coming closer. I could feel myself physically shaking now, like when you're cold, with terror. And to make matters that much more peachy, I could now hear that strange popcorny crunching sound. That black tsunami of doom was getting a lot closer. I didn't have much time. What was I supposed to do? I put my hands on the dining table, spread apart, and started looking at each place setting, moving from one to the other. I'd felt drawn to this particular cabin, to this specific place. Why? Was there something I was missing? The simple answer, I soon discovered, was yes. There was something in the wine glass right under my nose. I got to it after studying all the other place settings. It looked metal and heavy. I stuck my index and middle finger in the glass and scissored it out. It was a heavy ring. It looked to be made of gold, a little tarnished, though I could have been totally wrong. It was a signet ring. I'm not going to kid myself or you. When I saw it was a big heavy O, I was shocked. It reminded me a bit of the Obama O logo. A little elongated. But it was clearly the letter O. I turned the ring over to see if there was anything stamped on the inside to indicate its owner, where it was made, perhaps how old it was. There was a single number stamped on the underside of the signet. It was the number three. A number of things happened simultaneously when I saw this. I felt an icy shiver run up and down my spine, as I felt goose pimples rise up over every inch of my body. The crackling sound from outside noticeably increased in volume as if it had taken a logarithmic jump. The moan started again. loud, wow. Turned to an anguished shriek. I almost saw something white and transparent out of the corner of my eye, off to my left. I could have turned and investigated, but not the same. At least, I don't think so. I also value my life and sanity and had had enough of this ghost ship to last a lifetime. I turned to the right, starboard, and ran. The shriek seemed to follow me, so I ran faster, headed for that special doorway. I soon reached my top speed, and because this was a ship, it didn't take me long at all to reach the open door. I wasn't taking any chance. The ghost pissed them off. Thanks, Ghostbusters. I dove through the doorway. I stayed lying down, with my face in the dirt for some time. It was one of those falls that makes your whole body hurt. And then you stay there, not moving, taking inventory. I gingerly stood up and spat pebbles and dust out of my mouth. I felt a warm trickle running down the side of my face. Knew it was blood. Figured it was just a minor scratch. Nothing to worry about right now. I brushed my shirt and pants off with my hands and then realized that my fingers were empty. A ring. I fell to my knees and started scrambling around on the ground, like someone who's just lost a priceless heirloom, or a small key that leads to a small door that leads to a dragon's hoard of gold and jewels. I don't know how, but I knew that ring was important, really important. Then it was in my hand again, and I clutched it tightly to my chest, feeling that knot inside me loosen. My heart rate began to slow. I put the ring safely in my pants pocket and headed to the clock tower, munching on some much-needed salt and sugar. I walked fast, almost a jog. It didn't take long. The hands of the clock still pointed together, skyward. I opened doors like I'd always lived here, going straight to the bathroom. Looking in the mirror, I could see my graze was more of a severe cut. The right side of my forehead had found the jagged edge of a stone. There was a surprising amount of blood, I turned on the water. It was icy cool. I wiped it away as best I could, then washed my face and hands. Found some paper towels nearby and dried myself off. Then I took the ring out of my pocket and headed to the main room. The time had come. I stood before the wooden map table, feeling its importance, feeling its power now. I put my hands on the table, feeling it take my weight. The ring trapped between my right palm and the glossy wood. I looked at the building I was standing in with the number one on it. Then I moved over to the building with the number three, where I'd just been. My right hand was starting to feel warm. Hot, in fact. Not like my left. Something wasn't right. I looked down at it and saw a glowing red through the skin, like when you wrap your palm around a flashlight and turn it on. It was the ring. I ripped my hand away, feeling it cool immediately, and saw the ring was glowing. The heavy gold signet ring it was an O, with a three on the back of it. I looked at the little carved box with the three on it, bolstered my courage, gritted my teeth and picked up the ring and quickly placed it on top of the number three. Then I waited. At first, nothing happened, except for that glowing, that is. Then the wooden square beneath it also started to glow a bright white. The glow expanded, seeming to reach up and envelop the ring. It drew the ring into itself, and then the piece of jewelry just wasn't there anymore. The glow weakened, then disappeared. The number that had once been black was now solid gold. I ran my finger over it. It was warm to the touch, a different temperature to the wood surrounding it. Whatever was supposed to happen was done. Finished. Level complete, were the words I heard in my head, along with that sound on Super Mario Brothers when he jumps on an escaping mushroom. I looked at the number one. It was still black. Then I looked over at the number two and gasped. It was solid gold, just like the number three. It hadn't been that way before. I was almost certain of it. I'd looked at this wooden map a number of times today and yesterday. I would have noticed a shiny gold number two. So... What did that mean? That something had come back from Roanoke—a trinket, A talisman, A relic—and been placed on the number, and it had turned to gold. It seemed logical enough in this crazy place. But the problem was, as far as I was aware, I hadn't brought back anything from Roanoke, and even if I had. I definitely hadn't placed it on this map table. Which meant that someone else had. Someone who had been here? Someone had been here. I I jumped into action, going quickly into all the rooms again, searching. It didn't take long. There was no one here. Right now, this is too much. I needed to leave. I grabbed my backpack and left, not bothering to close the door behind me. I didn't care. I went through the gate, not bothering to close it this time. I got in my car and got out of there as fast as I could. It was another long, quiet drive home. This time I didn't think much, just collected my thoughts. When I got home, I made myself another calorie-heavy meal, gorged, and recorded this next thrilling installment about Ostium. I'll decide what I'm going to do next tomorrow. Now I'm going to bed. Something's not right. The problem is, I don't know if it's me or the rest of the world. Could it be ostium? Something to do with ostium? Something that ostium has done? Everything is out of sync, somehow. It all started when I got up this morning, took a shower, made myself some oatmeal and strong coffee, and sat down at my laptop. In my head, I was thinking it was Sunday, should be a nice, quiet, relaxing day for most of the world. No work for those who don't work retail or food industry. I opened up my email and saw right away that my first email was from Wednesday, three days from now. Sometimes there's weird spam like that that's sent from somewhere in the world and it shows a future date and time according to the stamp. Only, it's usually at most a day ahead if you figure it's getting sent from Australia or something. Except, this was from my coworker Robert a guy I considered a decent acquaintance. He was the one who'd been checking in with me on Facebook. We'd hung out a couple of times. I could see his email address and the date of Wednesday, 8.26 a.m., if that was correct. The email had been sent just five minutes ago, and the subject line. It was three words in big block capitals. You've been fired. My first feeling at seeing this wasn't anger or shock or fear. It was indifference. That made me stop and consider my thoughts and how I felt about it. I wasn't exactly well off and able to live comfortably with what I had in the bank at this moment. I had some savings, enough to get me by for a while. But being fired for just not showing up to work was a reasonable reason and would make getting another job certainly a little bit tricky. The scary thing was, my mind was so far beyond that it didn't even register. It was like the front part of my brain was reading this and reacting to it in a minor way, while the rest of my mind was thinking about one thing and one thing only. Yeah, ostium. Ostium had changed me. Whether for the better or the worse, I didn't know. I didn't really think I was ever going to definitively know, either. I was just different now, like discovering an controvertible proof of the existence of extraterrestrials or an archaeological find that conclusively proves that human beings at one point had wings and flew in the sky with the birds. It made everything else just fall by the wayside. It made me not care anymore about the mundanities of normal life. I was beyond that now. and wouldn't be coming back to it. Perhaps ever. So, let's focus on the other part of the email. The apparent fact that today was three days in the future of what I thought it was. Did I sleep for three days? Uh, it didn't seem right. Plus, I wasn't hungry enough for that. So, then I thought back to how many times I had checked the date and time recently. Not much was the answer. In my head, It was the weekend. I could tell if it was night or day, and that was all I really cared about. The date and time just hadn't been important. So basically, I'd completely lost track. In a major way. I started hitting newspaper websites, then just general news pages and blogs, then some stock exchange pages. They all confirmed that it was indeed Wednesday. The fuck? Then it came to me like those scary, terrifying thoughts always do, a cold, thin, sharp blade slipping in between the ribs. It was Ostium. Ostium was a unique place that took me to other places through doors. Doors that went to other times. Times in the past. I didn't know yet if any of those doors led to times in the future, but time seemed to be the salient parameter here. It meant, logically, that Ostium was somehow a place out of time. And what happens when you're in a place out of time? The place you just left continues on its own time stream, regardless of you. Apparently Ostium was a very special place. Because when I went there, time for the rest of the world went, from my perspective in Ostium, at a faster rate. Kind of like if you're in a rocket ship traveling close to light speed away from the Earth. Then you return and everyone is significantly older than you. Einstein's paradox, isn't it? The world and everything in it was now three days older than me. Technically speaking, I was living in the future. Well, this is heavy. As I focused on trying to stop my hands from shaking, I grasped my mug of coffee and took a long drink. I thought it might help me focus and perhaps calm my nerves. And that was when I realized something else I'd missed and turned back to the screen. While I'd been checking the date on those various news sites, I'd barely glanced at the top headlines on the screen. I did so now and found my left hand covering up my mouth while my right hand scrolled and clicked. Something terrible had happened. A nuclear power plant in Ukraine had blown and two of its reactors were in meltdown. The radioactive cloud was still expanding and was currently being blown in a westerly, southwesterly, and southern direction covering a wide scope. Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova were currently suffering the effects of the cloud that was traveling fast. Germany, Austria, and Croatia were next. The death toll so far was in the tens of thousands and increasing daily. No teams could get close enough to the nuclear plant to do anything because it was also radioactive. They had just been walking to their deaths. There was little end in sight for the mounting death toll. As for the long-term deaths and effects from radioactivity, it was impossible to predict at this point. It made Chernobyl look like a little fire. I took a few deep breaths. I walked over to my window, giving me a view onto Broadway. I watched the many cars going and coming from somewhere. It seemed like a normal piece of the planet here. Things going along like they did every day, whereas in Eastern Europe. So I wasn't that indifferent to the world. And speaking of normal, there was a place to the north of here that didn't belong. That was anything and everything but normal. No scientist would be able to quantify it. No philosopher able to qualify it. It was ostium, and it was calling to me like a foghorn you can't get far enough away from not to hear, like the strong smell of burnt toast that won't go away, and you're hoping it's not a stroke. It had me, and it wasn't going to let me go. I also realized I wasn't going to let it get away either. I pulled my large duffel bag from under my bed and packed a few days' worth of clothes, grabbed necessary toiletries and anything else I thought I might need. I made myself a lunch for the trip, locked my door and stared at it for 30 seconds, wondering when I'd be coming back. Then I got in my car and started driving. For the whole drive up, all my mind would let me think about was the golden number two on the wooden map table and the fact that when I went to sleep tonight in a bed in Ostium, I might have an unexpected roommate. The first thing I noticed when I pulled into my familiar covert parking spot was that the gate was now closed. When I made my quick exit yesterday, I distinctively remembered leaving the gate noticeably open and not giving a damn. So somebody had closed it. Great. I want to address my humor for a moment. Or at least my attempted humor. (laughs) It may seem a little strange that at tense moments in my experiences in Ostium I use levity and crack with the wise ass jokes. There are two reasons I do this. One is, so far, I'm recording these diary like recollections and experiences ex post facto, or after they take place. They've already happened, and if I'm able to recount to you, whoever you, dear listener, might be, it means I survived and am alive, and presumably relatively well and able to provide my experiences with some distance and some added humor to lighten the mood and hopefully keep you, dear faithful listener, entertained. The other reason is uh, because I'm human, and even when I'm recording this usually way after it happened, it's still powerful and emotional for me as I'm living through it again, and the jokes make it a little easier to process and absorb. And now we return to our regularly scheduled broadcast. Once I'm inside the gate of Ostium, I make my way to ye old clock tower, with the heavy duffel containing my worldly possessions thrown over one shoulder. About halfway there, I have a thought, a disturbing, scary thought. I walk faster, then I start to jog. I'm soon there, throwing the door with the number one wide open. I drop my duffel to the ground, hearing a loud thud and wince, hoping my iPad survived the fall. I'm looking at the wooden map table, my hands on either side, looking for number four. I find it over in an area of what looks to be grassland, not too far from the clock tower. I have two immediate thoughts. One is, huh, interesting. The other is relief. My worrying thought that had made me outright running here is, what if the four on the map table were already gold? What if whoever was also visiting Ostium had already checked out what was behind door four and brought back a trinket? But it's just the wooden carving, no gold shininess. And right behind all this is a new and refreshing scary thought. Is this mysterious person here now? I'm frozen on the spot for a moment, feeling like Wily e. Coyote, hovering over a yawning chasm. Then I suck in a breath and head for the doors. I go through them all real quick, looking for any movement with no clue what I'll do if there is some movement. The small bedroom is the same. The sleeping bag and pillow with the daffodil pillowcase is still there. It looks a little more rumpled than yesterday, but that could just be my imagination. I open the door and find the bathroom as it was yesterday, empty. I check the kitchen. Nothing but lots of cans of different kinds of foods and goods. I'm alone in the clock tower, like last time. But I also know I'm not really alone. I grab one of the PB&Js and a bottle of water from the bag and leave the rest in the kitchen for when I return. I know in my mind I'm also leaving plenty of clear evidence for whoever else has been hanging out here that they're not alone. I know it's kind of the equivalent of a dog marking its territory, but I'm making a point here. It's not just their home, but mine, too. We're gonna share, or we're gonna have a fight on our hands. Whatever that means. Another way of thinking on this is I'm laying some metaphorical cheese for a metaphorical mouse to come eat it, metaphorically. Though I don't have a metaphorical trap in place, really, it's more to see if anyone, or Anything will eat said metaphorical cheese. I think I've got you plenty confused. I know my brains are feeling pretty scrambled. Or is that cheese whipped? Oh, that's enough. I head back to the wooden map and whip out my iPhone. I don't really know why I haven't done this before. I proceed to take a number of photos of the map, making some close-up shots of each area in a grid going from left to right and working my way down until I'm at the bottom right quadrant. I've got a bunch of good references now when I'm not here with the map right in front of me. I pour over it again, honing in on door number four, then looking at the best route to take from where I'm standing. I make my mental course and head out the door. It feels weird walking away from the buildings and streets I've become used to. It's not long before I'm surrounded by grassland, lots of it that stretches far. I can see in the distance the wall surrounding Ostium. At this point, I don't think I'd realized how truly large Ostium was. While I had thought I'd walk through over half the town, from this vista, it's more like barely a third, with two-thirds of it being wide-open land. There are various structures and shapes around that are too far away to make out or recognize. I assume they're more doors... I'm a lot closer to the water tower now, the large letters clear and black against the white round shape. I wonder if it's actually used for water. The door is in the underside, at the top of the ladder. If it's full of water, opening that door will lead to a wet awakening, won't it? Maybe I'll be somewhere else. underwater. water? That's the thing with Ostium. You really don't know. Nothing is predictable. I pass a door on the ground and stop. It's literally that. A door horizontally on the ground. Number 23. How the physics and mechanics work for opening it and passing through, I don't know. I suppose if I make it to that door, I'll eventually find out. I see something in the distance. I keep going. I check my phone, referencing the map to make sure I'm on the right course. I see the structure getting bigger and clearer. It's an outhouse. Just sitting out there, in the middle of nowhere but this is Ostium after all, so go figure. I soon notice that the handle is different from the other doors, just a curve of old rusty metal, completing the image of a small place where one can relieve oneself. I grab it and pull. The door opens quick and easy. Again, not like other doors. It feels like opening a cabinet or closet or an outhouse. I don't really know what I expect, A grimy, stinky, soiled old toilet that I would never consider putting my nether regions in the vicinity of? Nope, just the ever-inviting darkness of Ostium. I take a deep breath and prepare myself. I wonder if there will ever be a time when I might have an inkling of what might be on the other side of that darkness. I don't think so. I step through the black and into... Space. Well, not actual space, but wherever I am, it's big. Even though I haven't taken in any details yet, I get the sense of size around me. My eyes are closed, like the last couple times I went through. I think it helps me deal with the astonishing surprise I am about to experience by letting my eyes relax and the rest of my senses acclimate, so to speak. Then I open them, and my mouth, wide. The eyes are incredible organs. They can take in so much within the blink of themselves. The first thing I fully understand is that I'm not just an ostium anymore. I'm not on Earth. I'm on another planet somewhere. It's a giant room, all the surfaces shiny and metal, burnished, immaculate. It feels like looking down a long hallway because the metal walls and ceilings stretch out for hundreds of yards. The ceiling looks to be at least five stories tall. I'm sure I'm getting a walleye effect, making this room feel like it's stretching on to infinity, like looking at your reflection in a mirror and seeing a reflection of that reflection, of that reflection, of that reflection, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I'll stop there. You get the picture. There are occasional banks of buttons and colorful lights and various screens, computer terminals, I guess. All of a sudden, this is starting to feel a lot like an episode of Star Trek. About 20 feet down on the left wall is a long rectangle of windows stretching many tens of feet in length. The effect makes it feel like a strip of glass. I jog over to it, wanting to see everything that is on the other side. I push my face up to the long window, touch my nose, cheeks, and forehead to it. It's icy cold to the touch, and I wonder if I'm going to have trouble peeling my face off of it. If I ever want to, that is. On the other side of the window is an alien landscape. There are reds, oranges, and ochres, and a whole palette of those colors blending together in various tints and shades. It's barren, harsh, hills of varying sizes. In the distance, I think I see the hazy mirage of mountains, Lots of red rocks. Some mighty boulders that look like they'd be fun to roll down a hill and see how far they'd roll. What's gravity like here? Now, you might be thinking, well, this doesn't sound that alien to me. It could easily be the Badlands, somewhere in New Mexico, or that hot place known as Death Valley. And I would be with you on that, except for the fact that there's a rocket ship out there on a launch pad. It looks a lot like those imagined in the 60s from the minds of Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, and Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, I'm a sci-fi geek. And that's hard sci-fi, in case you're wondering. It's your basic big phallic spaceship, tapering to a resistance-reducing point. There's no obvious markings on the fuselage to tell me whether it's NASA or perhaps another space-traveling constituent, but it's big, massive. It's about half a mile away and still stretches high into the gray sky. I look off to the right and see some sort of vehicle. It looks like a giant buggy with a white canopy over the top. There's a front windshield, but I can't see any other windows in the vehicle from where I am. What I can see on the other side of the vehicle are words. Words I can read. Holy shit. The top one in big block letters is NASA. My heart rate speeds up. The two words below it are Martian colony number four. My heart goes even faster and I start panting. A million questions invade my mind. What year is this? How many colonies have there been? How did the first three turn out? How is this fourth colony doing? Where is everyone? Why is it dead quiet here? Why is the door to the buggy hanging open? The iciness of fear trickles into my body. I do at least have one answer. I'm on Mars. I start walking along the floor of metal, constantly switching from looking ahead to the window and back again, as I don't believe it. I really don't. But I also know what Ostium has done, and the potential for what it can do now seems limitless. I glance at the terminals as I pass them, but the screens are all blank. The buttons laid out in your usual courty way, but there's a host of extra buttons with strange symbols on them that mean nothing to me. They don't look Greek or Cyrillic, they look alien. I might try playing around with one of these terminals, but not yet. I want to find out more about this place. The giant hallway starts to curve around, and as I make the bend, it continues straight for a long ways, and then curves to the right again. I have the idea I might be in some sort of circular habitat, and I'm on the outside walkway, Before I continue down the walkway, I turn back real quick and make sure I can see the ostium door I came through in the distance. It's still there, door wide open. Interestingly, the whole door is like a thick metal airlock door. I can't see what's on the other side of the doorway from here, but I'm fairly certain ostium is there, waiting for me. Letting out a breath, I keep going. It's not long before I find a door on my right. At least I think it's a door. It's a vertical rectangle of metal in a wall with a quarter-inch gap around it. I think it's a gap. It's like a separation, indicating that this rectangle is different from the rest of the wall. That's why I'm thinking it's some sort of door. But there's no handle. No blemish or scratch or marking of any sort on its surface. Not sure what the hell I'm supposed to do. I try just pushing on the left side of the presumed door where I think a handle should be and I'm shocked when it opens inwards. I push it open further and step inside. The door seems to be attached to the wall with one long hinge, though I can't really see it. I close the door and it joins with the wall silently. I turn and see I'm in some sort of medical room. Everything in the room is white and feels sterile. Finding a mode of dust in this room would be next to impossible. There's a bed in the center of the room counters along the walls with cabinets above and below. Again, there's an absence of handles. Anywhere. I could spend more time trying to figure out what people in this time and on this planet had against opening doors and cabinets easily, but I remember that strange oncoming blackness with the crackling sound on the Mary Celeste. I haven't heard anything so far, and I've been keeping my ear to the ground, or the walls so to speak. Didn't see anything when I was studying the rocket ship through the window, either. Nevertheless, I can feel the imaginary clock running down, and I need to get a sense of what happened here and discover whatever relic I need to bring back to Ostium. There's another door on the opposite wall. I go through it and find myself in another curving hallway. The curve is more pronounced here, as I'm moving more toward the center. Once again, there's not another person in sight, What's an awesome colony station on the planet Mars doing sitting abandoned like this? What happened? Did everyone up and leave? There's that one rocket ship I've seen, but for all I know, there should be five out there normally. I just don't know. What the hell happened here? That's when I hear a sound. I freeze on the spot. I'm instantly terrified, but also curious. It's something. It's a potential answer. I remained still, listening for more. It sounded like something accidentally dropped, though muffled within a room somewhere. It couldn't be too far away or I wouldn't have heard it. There it is again. Definitely a metallic sound. I jog down the hallway and open a door from where I think the sound emanated. It looks to be living quarters. Three sets of bunk beds and some closets. On one of the beds is a device that looks kind of like an iPad, probably some sort of tablet or datapad. It's the size of a mass market book. I see the opposite door is slightly ajar. <sighs> That's all I need. I follow. I'm in a massive round room with an unbelievably high ceiling. It feels like being in a concert hall or auditorium. There are some Displays encased in what looks to be glass. I run up to one of them, my excitement growing. I don't need to check the display tag on the ground to know that this is the Martian lander. I run over to another display and recognize Pathfinder. Next is Spirit Rover. Opportunity. They're all here. The unmanned craft that helped teach us everything we know about planet Mars. This is a... Museum. That's when I catch a flicker of movement out of the corner of my eye. It's a person, running away. I immediately take up the chase, not really thinking about my safety, just wanting to get some answers. I fly through the doors, following, pausing at times and listening, then following again. I'm not really paying attention to where I'm going, and before I know it, I'm in the outer ring, looking out the window again at the intoxicating Martian landscape. This time I'm stopped dead in my tracks and it's not good. I can't hear anything, probably because of the thickness of the glass and the wall, but I can see that blackness getting closer and closer by the second. Encapsulates everything, stretching high up and sideways into space and beyond my visible horizon. Where there's blackness, there are no stars anymore. I watch that absence of light reach the rocket ship. It doesn't consume it bit by bit. I don't get the sense that there are any breaking, crushing, or destructive sounds. It seems quiet, almost peaceful. One second the ship is there, the next it's just gone. I peel my eyes from the window and look down the hallway at the open door of this colony station that leads back to Ostium. There's a woman standing in the doorway. She's looking back at me. She's black. She's beautiful. She gives me a wink and steps through the portal, closing the door behind her. Shit, I whisper to myself, then run for my life. When I reach the closed door, I don't know how close that blackness is to eating me up. When it reaches me, I wonder for a split second, will it hurt? Will it be quick and painless? I have a feeling I'll just cease to exist, and that will be it. I wrench open the door, not taking in any details of what's on the other side. I basically fall through, managing to throw the door closed behind me. My eyes are firmly shut, like usual. I'm falling. I hit my head, and the blackness remains. I wake up in bed in the room of the clock tower. My blanket is thrown over me. My head really hurts. That's when I record this. I notice my phone is showing me a strong Wi-Fi connection. Somehow I'm getting internet in Ostium. So I go ahead and upload this recording like I've done with the others so far. If you're listening to this, it means it worked and was successfully uploaded and posted. Who knows what day or time it is when you're listening to this. Now I need to get some sleep. I can't keep my eyes open. And I hope when I wake many hours from now, my head won't feel like someone sank a cleaver into it. I also hope my fellow ostium neighbor doesn't do anything to me while I'm asleep. See you on the other side.